welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are wrapping up our series with Philippians chapter four, Philippians for you. And I just want to let you know, this is uh, the wrap of the the series. Next week is Ted Cunningham. Uh, Then we have John Maxwell. And then we have, uh, I just did an interview sermon with Richard Hammer again. If you remember, Richard uh, did the thing about the stars and we captured an interview for the next series called Gravity. All right. And I want to tell you, in the next three weeks, it'd be a great week to invite somebody to church. I mean, we've got a funny guy in Ted. We've got uh, John Maxwell of high capacity leadership. We've got Richard Hammer. I mean, Harvard educated, taught at Cambridge. And then week four, you got me again. All right. So we great time to invite people uh, to the church. And so just really extend an invitation. See what God can do. Extend an invitation, say hello, invite somebody, see if somebody would come with you to church and join you and just see the hope that's in you and why would you give up this time and what is God doing in you? So uh, with that being said, Philippians chapter four, there are so many great verses in this chapter and there's actually two top verses in this chapter, in chapter four, and we're going to look at them. Philippians 4.13 and 4.19. Now I'm going to read the verses around that, but I want to let you know that of the most searched verses in America, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 is the number four searched verse in, in all of America. All right, so it's, it's way up there and it's one of those ones that stands out and you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the verse, all right? If you're wondering, if you're number, wondering what's number one, John 3.16. John 3.16 is number one. And now what's two or three? Forget it. All right. Number four is Philippians 4.13. All right. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi that he founded. He's getting towards the end of the letter. And remember, he's writing this from prison in Rome. And he's realizing, I may die soon. And I want to pick it up in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And here's that key verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Now you Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. 
Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now, here's the other very popular verse. It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Those, those, those are the two verses there that people grab hold of. And if you're wondering what uh, translation I used, uh, I used the New King James because I memorized 413 and 419 in the King James. And, and so I have to have a bound and a base, but that's okay. I like those two verses, all right? Now, how does this connect to you? And as you know, in this series, we're going right through this verse by verse. In verse 10, he said, you know, hey, I, I, I'm glad your generosity woke up again and you finally got it to me. You didn't have an opportunity, but you did get it to me. Thank you. You got to realize it was 1,200 miles, 1,200 miles for them to get this to Rome. And so he's saying, hey, uh, you got this gift to me. Thank you. It was hard for you to do. And I want to let you know I'm thankful that you were thinking of me and that you got this gift to me. And whether we ever hear it or not, whenever we send a gift to someone far away that's doing the work of the Lord, let me let you know, it is a huge encouragement to them. They're wondering, am I alone? Does anybody care? And then in comes a gift from someone from wherever they are in the world. And thank the Lord that we don't have to send it with couriers. How many know you could just text to give or you could send it to them or Venmo or you could just right away, you could give it to them online. It's a great thing to encourage them. And then he says, I've learned how to be content. I've had learned how to have need and I've learned how to be content in plenty. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, the key thing that he's talking about here is being content. Being content. All right. To be, to be pleased with your situation and not hoping for improvement. Like you're just saying, I'm pleased with where I'm at. I'm okay with where I'm at. I'm living in a state of satisfaction. He's saying, I want you to be content. And you have to learn how to be content. And you got to understand how many know we are not born with contentment. We're born with more, more. I want, matter of fact, have you noticed like when parents teach kids sign language, they learn that one, more, 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 more. You give them that more, 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 you know, all right. We even teach them that. I mean, we are all about this. And we, we are, if ever there was a time that it's hard to be content, I think right now, we are at the peak of where it's hard to be content. Where you say, I am satisfied with where God has me. I'm satisfied with what I have. I'm satisfied. I, I, I'm, I'm happy with where God has me. I'm content. I'm satisfied. I mean, you think about it. We have real-time envy on our phones with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Right away, you can have it. You can be just like, I love Jesus. I am content. Oh, they got a new car. Oh, Look at that new car. Wow, we don't have a new, look at our jalopy. You know what I mean? And it's real time. You know, you're like, I'm content. I'm happy. I mean, it, there's a family picture by the ocean. We've never been to the ocean. How many know it's like, it just hits you right there. You have envy. It's real time envy. You could see their car, their boat, their house, their vacation, the view that they had for dinner. And right now you can just immediately contentment can leave your life. Along with that, we have upward mobility like never before. I mean, in history, if you were born a blacksmith or a cobbler, I mean, that's like your dad taught you how to do that and you kind of stayed in the family business. Now it's like you can, you can do anything. And you think about years ago, college was for the, the select people went to college. Now it's like everybody go to college. Come on, we're going to get you there. And it's on steroids. And I, I feel old in saying this, but I, I just kind of remember growing up 
when, when contentment was there and all of a sudden it just went on steroids without contentment. How many, how many remember when the Nike Cortez shoe came out the first time? Not recently, but the first time and that red swoosh on that white shoe came out. 1972. I was in elementary school and the first kid showed up and he did not have like Converse cheap shoes and now Converse are cool. But back then it was like you bought them because they were cheap, right? Or you had Kmart shoes, you know what I'm saying? You had just, and all of a sudden that Nike court and everybody's like, if you're cool, you have that. And pretty soon you're like, I don't like my shoes. And then how many know it went from shoes to jeans? How many, some of you, the old people are all nodding their head, yeah. Lee jeans came out, oh. And then Jerbo jeans with that little tag on the zipper. The Jerbo jeans came out and you had to have those. No more tough skins. No more, t- I mean, no more patches on the, I mean, we had patches on the knee, not because they were cool, but because we were poor. You know what I mean? Mom's like, get over here. That is a hole. Let me put a patch on that, you know? And those tough skin jeans, how many remember? Those were like burlap sacks. Itchy, itchy, no spandex, nothing. It was like itchy. And it just became like, it's just become steroids of like, we've got to do this. We've got to have it. And it just has created a desire and we've got to have that. And you got to have the brand and you have to have this and the social media comparison. And, you, and as you compare, you're, you don't live in contentment anymore. And you start thinking, whatever God's given me is not enough. And I've got to have what other people have. And so we just live in this steroid enhanced, social media enhanced world of I've got to have it. And even in social media, Think about this, the likes and the followers. I'm talking to students and they're like, yeah, they only have 200 followers. Like, seriously, you're sizing up in high school, like how many followers they have. And they, yeah, there are 200 followers. Oh, 1,000 followers. Oh, 5,000. And they're they're sizing up and even likes. And I'm just as guilty. You put a picture out there and you love that picture. And you're thinking, this is going to get a ton of likes. And then it gets barely any. And you're like, what's wrong with that picture? You know? I've learned this, wedding pictures get lots of likes, by the way, lots of likes, everybody likes those. Facebook and Instagram are thinking of doing away with the likes because we're obsessed with it. We're obsessed, like I've got to have it. I've got to get approval. I want people to say they like what I like. I want them to see what I have. And so we're living in a time where we're really struggling with how can we be content? How can we be satisfied? How can we live in this state of satisfaction, loving where God has us and we're okay with it? We're okay with where God has placed us. Additionally, in in addition to this, we also have a negativity bias. We are built with a negativity bias that we focus on the negativity and we're impacted by negative things in a greater way. So when somebody has something that we don't have, our negativity bias kicks in and it's just tearing us apart. It's like we're getting a stomach ache because we're comparing to other people. And Paul's saying, you've got to live in contentment. You have to learn how to be content, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, you have to learn how to be content. And he's like, stop thinking on those negative things. Matter of fact, last week's sermon, go review that again. Think on the things that are true and pure and lovely and fill your mind with positive things. Paul said, I've learned to be content. And we have to learn it too. We have to learn it and we learn it and we relearn it and we relearn it and we relearn it. And I wanna be clear as I talk about this, money is not evil. The love of money is evil, all right? But you have to pass the contentment test whether you're poor or whether you're rich. It's, it's, it's most, I, I remember what my professor in Bible college, Charles Greenaway, is one of my favorites. He used to say, 
I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. And then he'd say, but I served God when I was rich and when I was poor, all right? I'm telling you, you have to serve God in both ways. Hungry, full, free, prisoner, lonely, friends, naked, clothed. Paul's saying you have to be content wherever God has you. Now, let me speak to those people that would say, well, I'm, I'm poor. Or I'm lightly resourced. And I would say this in our church because of where most of our campuses are. Okay, where most of our campuses are, most people in our church don't uh, qualify anywhere near the world's poor. You might say, I'm close to poor in America, okay, and I understand that. There are poor in our church, but where our campuses are positioned doesn't necessarily lend itself, but you might be lightly resourced. You might not have enough of what you want, and so let's put it in that you don't have enough and you're, you're struggling in this area. You have to look to God and trust God. You got to stop murmuring and complaining because I've noticed this, that people that have, have little will say, if I only had that, if I only had that, and they murmur, well, I'm not like them. I don't have the same opportunity. I'm not like them. I don't have that. And, and you, you, in your position of being lightly resourced or poor, you start saying, well, I don't have, if I had that, then I'd serve him. If I had that, then I'd do this. If I had that, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You've got to pass the test. And there's on, the only way you can pass the test in, in, your, in your lightly resource or in your poverty is say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. I can do this. I can get through this in this moment. I mean, I see story after story after story of missionaries that were living in true poverty. I, I had a couple examples. I'll just give you one. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. He survived on whatever people sent him. And he said this, we're just going to, however God moves on people's hearts, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to send out letters. We're not going to make emotional appeals. God has to speak to other people. And as he speaks to them, we'll survive. And there's a story that he's sitting there and he has this orphanage he's running. He's running this hospital and he's got all these needs. And they come up to him and they said, Hudson, we're down to the last bag of rice. And you know what he said? Do I know what I would have said? I would have said, are you kidding me? We're down to the last bag? Like, we're in big trouble. That's what I would have said, you know? You know what he said? Wow. Then God's hand of provision must be really close. Wow. Again, content. He's like, God's hand of provision must be really close. And that day they opened up the mail. And you know what was in the mail? A letter. And the letter said, my name is Mr. Berger. I have just come into a great inheritance and I have the burden of this great inheritance. And I thought, what should I do with this? Great? I don't know what to do. So I sent you 50 pounds immediately right now in this letter. And I'm asking, do you need more? Will you help me with my inheritance? <laughs> Praise God for Mr. Berger. All right. Yeah. But Hudson Taylor's like, God's hand of provision must be really near. He didn't complain, like, God, you sent me to China, and I got nothing. I'm waiting for Christians to send money, and they got to listen. He didn't. He's like, I'm content. I'm, I'm trusting my Lord. I'm trusting my Savior. He's going to take care of me. He knew verse 19. We won't go there yet, but he knew. My God will supply. He knew that. And I want to tell you, if you have little, you have to pass the test. It doesn't mean that you say, I love being poor. I'm going to stay poor. I'm not going to work. I'm going to be, you know, no, you still do all that you can. 
and you say, God, I thank you where I am. Hey, I'm going to position myself so that if you want to move me, I'm going to position myself. So if opportunity comes my way, I'm going to position myself. But you know what? I'm positioning myself, but I'm not complaining. You have me here for a reason. I'm glad for where I am, and I'm going to keep moving forward in you. I trust you. It's the only way you can make it. It's the only way that you can make it. Now I would suspect more people in our church would deal with what I would call middle class, upper middle class, upper class, and even one percenters, okay? Our church is full of people that will qualify for all those categories, including one percenters. You really would. Riches are a test of your contentment as well. Paul says, I've learned how to be content when I was poor and when I abound. And the word means in prosperity. He's like, when I had more than enough and when I didn't have anything, I learned to be content wherever God has placed me, all right? And, and rich people will struggle with contentment just as much as poor people. You're like, yeah, the poor, they need to learn how to be content and trust God and be happy. Well, rich people too. Rich people, because we're human, we will, we will, we will start thinking that we can find our happiness in money or possessions or power or relationship or our job. You can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, it's not about those other things. And rich people, as soon as they get money, they realize money's not the only scorecard. How many know what I'm talking about? So then there's power. Then there's praise. Well, they're not praising me, and I, I paid for everything. You know? And the praise starts to come. It, 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 the position, something happens. There's something that's just outside your reach, and you get consumed with it, and you're not content anymore, and it's the stupidest little thing, and you have no contentment, and you have all this. I can show you. In 1 Kings 21, there's a story about King Ahab, and he's married to Jezebel. And it talks about Naboth has a little vineyard next to the king. Little tiny vineyard. And the king says, well, you know, I mean, I surround your vineyard. I mean, let me just buy it. I mean, it's right here in proximity. Let me buy the lot next to my house on the lake. You know I mean? You're right next to me. Let me buy that. He's like, no, no, it's been in our family. We just want to keep it. No, no. See, I've got all around you and I want to buy it. And the Bible says that he can't even sleep anymore. He's, He's the king. He has everything but Naboth's little vineyard, half an acre. And he gets consumed with it. He can't think about it. His wife says, all right, I got a plan. We'll have a couple guys bring some false charges and we'll kill them. For a vineyard. You talk about, I mean, and so that's what they do. They have a couple people sit down at dinner with them. They bring some false charges. And then finally he's like, yes. And he goes and buys the land. As soon as he buys it, the prophet comes and says, like, God's judging you. He saw what you did. You're dead. Your wife's dead. And dogs will eat her bones. And as a kid in study school, that was an awesome story. How many know what I'm talking about? (laughs) She falls out and they eat her. Yeah, all right. But rich people, they have all this. And they're like, but I can't have that. And I wish I had that. And they, all that they accumulate and they still aren't content. All of us, you, me, every, we get that way and we start to grumble and complain. And by the way, how many think like rich discontent looks way worse than poor discontent? Poor people are like, if I only had that. And they're grumbling and the rich are like, I ought to kill them. You know what I mean? It, it, that's like weight, you know, the imagination there. If you're rich, you got to pass the test. If you have great resources, you have to pass the test and say, God, I have contentment. I, have content. I won't find my contentment in things. I find it in you. If, if you ask for all this to go, I'll give it. If you take it all away, I'll be okay. God, it's you. I, all these other things that I have, it, it's, if you want them, they're yours. 
I'm content. And how do you know if you're rich and if you're content? If your generosity is growing with your income, that's a good sign that you're content. But if your generosity is shrinking with your income, it's a good sign that you're losing your contentment. And you're starting to keep score a different way. And all of a sudden it starts to slip. It's only possible through Christ that we can be content whether we're poor or whether we're rich. That's what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the way, I love it that it's on Steph Curry's tennis shoes, uh, on the Under Armour tennis shoes, which we showed in week one. I love it that Tim Tebow had it on his little, like, you know, black little eye thing there, you know, Philippians 4.13. And he did it. I'm so glad. But it has nothing to do with dunks three-pointers or touchdowns. It has nothing to do with making the sales. A lot of people are like, I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to make the sale. I can do all three things through Christ. It's not about the sale. It's not about the TD. It's not about getting an A on the test. Sorry to steal your joy right there, all right? It is about, can you be content where God has you? Can you be content with the neighborhood he has placed you in and say, God, I'm here for your glory and for your honor. Now, if you want to move me, you can up or down, but I'm here and I'm here for a reason. God, I have this in my possession. And as you, the, the great burden of wealth, like Mr. Berger, I've inherited this, but God, would I, I will be content and I'll serve you and I'll do this only through Christ. That's what he's referencing here. I can get through all things. It'd be more appropriate to say, if I'm in a trial, I can do all things through Christ. If I am asked to do a task by God, I can do all things. If I'm in a struggle, I can do all things. If I, if I don't have peace, I can do all things. If, if, if the world is trying to get me to keep worldly scorekeeping, I remind myself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stay true to my kingdom builder commitment. I can stay true. I'm not going to chase that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Again, it's not about the score of the game, but it's about being satisfied in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And again, I'm glad they have them on the shoes. I'm glad people are opening up to preaching. I'm glad for even the crazy guy with the orange hair that stands up with John 3.16 at the football game. All right, man. Anybody that does anything to get people towards the word, I'm happy with. But let's keep it in context. It's I can do all things in a world that is not content, that is full of discontent. I can be happy with where God has me. I'm going to keep praising God. I'm going to keep my eyes up. I'm going to rejoice with others. When I see them on social media, I'm going to be excited about that. I'm going to stay grateful. And I'm going to repent and reapply this scripture as needed. Now, I, I got to let you know, it's, it's funny that I was preaching on this text. And about 12 days ago, about, roughly about 12 days ago, uh, a friend of mine, he's, he's a pastor friend. He was saying, hey, you know, we've done this. We bought this rental property and that worked out really good. And then we bought this one. And then we just sold our house and we didn't realize that the neighborhood we were in was appreciating so much and all that. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. And it, it's interesting. It was, it was the first time, like when people are in business and they're doing well, like I've never had like a tinge of, of like, look at that. I mean, come on, you know, but all of a sudden a pastor friend of mine, I was like, hey, Lakeville is not appreciated nearly as much as your city. You know what I mean? I was kind of like, well, Lord, I've been faithful. I mean, come on. I mean, look at Kingdom Builders. And God's like, yeah, get, get ready. You're, you're preaching on contentment. <laughs> I got convicted and I was like, who am I? Who am I? I? Lord, wherever you have me, wherever you want me, Lord, I will be content. I repent and I reapply that scripture as needed. I need to apply that to my life. And I need to say, God, I'll be content exactly where you have me. God, you have me right where you want me and I'm movable. Up or down, I'm movable. 
I'm, where do you want me to go? Over where, where I am movable because I have you. I have you and I will be content. That's what Paul is saying here. And then in verses 14 through 18, he's just talking about their gift. He's like, I'm so glad that you gave this gift. He's like, I I didn't even need it. Like I, I have all that I need, but seriously, it's so good that you gave because what you've done is you've listened to God and he's put it on your account. And in eternity, he's rewarding you for the gift. So thank you for listening. Thank you for giving. And and God will bless you. And I'll say this to anybody that's thinking about generosity. Like you're never poor by being generous. You're just generous. Paul's saying like, thank you for listening. And he's so excited. Like, I'm so excited that you listened and that there's great value in that. And in your poverty, you listened and you took care. Thank you. And he's like, now I have everything I need, but thank you for giving that and, and following what God told you to do. And then he says in 419, because my God will supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. He said, he said he will supply all your needs. He'll take care of you according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say he'll take care of some needs. He says all your needs. He said he'll take care of all your needs, your material, your relational, your circumstantial, your spiritual. He said he's going to take care of all your needs. And where's he going to do it from? According to his riches in glory. And he's saying, guess what? God's got you. You're going to live content. As you live content, it's through the power of Jesus Christ that you're going to be able to live content. Nobody could do it without that. You're going to learn it and he's going to help you to be content. And once you're going to be content, you're going to be generous. And as you're generous, guess what? God's going to take care of all your needs. He's going to bless you according to his riches. Now it's interesting. He doesn't say just from his riches. He says, according to his riches. And he's saying, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he's going to take care of you. And how many know if he created this earth and the galaxies and he's created all this, God has some amazing riches. If he's provided Jesus Christ for us as our Lord and Savior, he's got incredible greatness and riches for our life. And he's saying, he'll take care of you. Trust him. Be content. Be generous. And as you're generous, he will take care of you. He can take care of you. We've got to trust him and we've got to be content. And let me go back to this. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Stop comparing. Stop. We do, some of us need to take a, a digital fast. Some of us need to stop. You should look at your phone and see which apps you go to. You would probably be shocked where it would say 57% of your time is spent on Facebook looking at other people, you know, and their stuff. 33% has been an Instagram. And it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, you did return an email. You know what I'm saying? Stop, stop comparing, stop complaining, stop contending and realize if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. God has you in the right place at the right time. And, and you're movable up, down, over, wherever he wants you to go. But you're saying, God, you have me in the right place. And when you say you're not in the right place, you're accusing God of not knowing what he's doing. I'm telling you what, God knows what he's doing. He has you in the right place next to the right person, next to the right neighbor, and he has you in the right job, and he has you right where he needs you to be. And he can move you up, down, or over in a moment, but we need to stay content. If you have Jesus, you have all you need to be content. You do. I would say this. To the richest person in this building or one of our campuses, you might be at one of our campuses, you might be the richest person and you don't have Jesus, we would not trade places with you because we are content in Christ. We have everything we need and we're movable wherever he wants us. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even be content in a world that has gone crazy, crazy, chasing after things and comparing and striving and living in contention to see who's best, bigger, fastest, richest, strongest. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even be content. And so God, I just pray right now that you'd help us to be content. I pray that you'd help us to live in the ability to be content. I think that there are people in our church, I don't discount this, there are people that are under-resourced that would say, okay, I feel poor, or you don't understand, I didn't, I didn't have enough at the end of the week, and we had to make hard decisions. And for those people, I say, they, Lord, you're their source. You will supply all their need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I just pray that you would supply their need and they would be content in that situation. No grumbling, no complaining. And God, I pray for those people that are affluent, that they would live in contentment. Stop keeping score with the world scorecard. If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. You could ask for it all and we'd give it. You could ask us to move up, down, over, and we would do it because we are content in you. We have everything we are looking for in you. I pray that we'd live that way. We reapply as needed, Lord. And God, I pray that we would trust you. You will supply our needs. You will supply our needs. You've always done it. You're really the source for everything we have. We want to live content. Help us to learn this one, Lord. Help us to learn this one and move forward as mature followers, learning how to be content. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.